Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. We're in the book of Joel today. Joel is a very prophetic book. Um, now that we're in the minor prophets, we went through the major prophets, now we're in the minor prophets. So these minor prophets, they're not lesser than. They are great guys, and they write a lot of great stuff. They just have shorter books. And it might be a little bit of a break for those of you who, if you've been keeping up with your Bible reading, and you've been reading and reading and reading and reading, this might be just a gift from God in the summertime. You know what I mean by that? Like, I mean, Joel, four, what, four chapters, I think, right? So is that right? Four chapters, I think? No, three. Just three. Wow. I mean, it's God's gift to you, right? Next week, you get a small, you know, these are some small books of the Bible. Just to give you maybe a little summer break, I don't know. But, um, but anyway, these guys, they pack, even though it's a small amount of text, they pack a lot in this, in these books, a lot in these books. Joel, uh, even though his writings were very small in the sense of, you know, not a lot of writing, Joel, very impactful book of the Bible. And uh, you will see Joel, the funny thing about Joel, and I'm not going to get into all the details of the history, but if you want to pick one of these up, they're on tables, they're out in the hallway and the lobby as well. There's little study guides here out there from every book of the Bible. We're providing those for you. They're free. Just pick one up. But Joel, very interesting thing about Joel, he is one of the earliest prophets that you'll see, writing prophets, if you will, in books of the Bible. He's one of the earliest ones to do a manuscript. Joel probably would have been around during the time of Elisha. So just because you see it in the book of the Bible where it's located doesn't mean he's far removed from. There was a lot of things going on then, and you see, again, the Bible overlays. So when you study the history of this, Joel is basically the way I like to look at Joel is like this. He's like telling a story in his prophetic writings. You know what I'm saying? Like He likes to tell some stories. And the funny thing about stories is um, uh, a lot of people like to tell stories, but if you've ever been around your grandparents... My grandfather, he loved to tell some stories. Like, it seemed like the older you get, the more stories you got. So I guess, you know, you just want to tell them. And, you know, some of his stories, I don't know. I mean, some of them were true, and I think some of them were exaggerated, you know. Like, that whole two foot walking to school all the time, you know, two foot of snow uphill both ways. That kind of stuff, you know, especially when he grew up in middle Georgia, south Georgia. I don't know about all that, you know, snow banks and all that mess, you know. I mean, I've been around long enough to see the weather patterns around Georgia. It ain't that bad. I mean, there's been one, just one that we all remember in 93. That's it. Nothing else has been that tremendous, right? But then he told me other stuff, you know, football. He had, a, he had a lot to say about concussions and all these people complained about concussions. He said, I had to fix that. He said, we never got concussions. He said, because we play with a leather strap. We didn't have a helmet, so you didn't hit your head on anybody. He said, that'd fix it right there. <laughs> I don't know how accurate all that was. I'm sure it hurt, you know, with just a leather strap on your head. But he had all kinds of things he'd say and different ones, and he'd tell stories about what it was like growing up after, you know, the Great Depression and how things were for him and how things were for his family. And and then, you know, my, my great-grandmother, I was fortunate enough to be able to be around her some, uh, by growing up with him, she would actually tell stories about growing up through the Great Depression. Totally different. Now, how, when's the last time you heard someone talk about the Great Depression, like they actually went through it? There, there's not many people that can actually tell you they actually went through it. And she would talk about how hard it was and how difficult it was. Hard to comprehend this, if, 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 especially if you're in the least bit, if you're in, of my age or, or younger, hard to imagine this. She would talk about how people would work a day just for some cornbread. You know, we can't even imagine. We just went through a pandemic that was supposed to be the end of everything. 
And I mean, listen, we folk live in large. They just, they just rolling and enjoying this last year. They worked when something like this happened before people worked for cornbread. Hard to even fathom. And because of her experience in going through those things, it affected her. Like she saved all the butter buckets. All the butter buckets. Now you might have some in your house right now. I know we say every now and then we got some buckets here and there and they're great for leftovers and whatnot. But she, she kept them as a principle. Like she didn't buy Food Network's latest, greatest, newest chef, whatever's pans and all that stuff. But let me tell you something. She had the first run of Tupperware. Still had it when I was a kid. And that stuff was different then than it is now. I'm going to tell you right now, you can, you can nuke it, microwave it, boil it. What it. Tupperware was made out of something completely different. I don't know what it was then. But she had the first run, guarantee you that. I mean, when you ate out, there was no eating out. For her, that was, we're going to eat outside. That's what that meant. We're not going to spend money. It's too, it costs too much. We're going to eat outside. If you want a, a dessert, there was no going to the coffee shop or picking up donuts or anything, ice cream like that. If you can get dessert, we're going outside to eat. And then after that, we'll have dessert. Dessert was an, a, a big wash tub filled with ice water and a watermelon sticking in it. Been cooling all day long. And you sat outside, cut watermelon, spit seeds, and that's just what you did. And I'm telling you all this story because this is what I saw. I wondered, like, what's the big deal? Like, why? Butter buckets and watermelon, what's the big deal? I mean, one of her favorite things, I'm talking about my great-grandmother. She'd been gone for, you know, almost 20 years, I guess, now. And, but she would go to, my, my, my grandparents would take her out to eat sometimes. It'd drive them crazy. Because she always wanted to go to the buffet restaurants. Now, if y'all ain't never seen this before, this is something. She'd go through and she made sure she got what she wanted. She'd sit back down. And then she made sure that she had a little purse with her. And so what she did was she would wrap up a few extra rolls and stuff and tuck it into us. Like Ryan's Golden Corral, that kind of thing. Oh, man, she loved it. Now, if you're still doing that, whatever, God bless you. But I'm just telling you. My, it drove my, my grandpa, they were like, would you stop it? I mean, she'd have put a, she'd have put a hamburger steak in there if she could. You know what I'm saying? Like, just hide it in the, why? Because it affected her. And no matter how hard I tell you that story, it has, it does not have the impact on you, although you can kind of relate as what it did to her because she went through it. She actually experienced it. And she would tell, her kids, she would tell her grandkids, and she would tell her great-grandkids. Didn't matter if you want to hear it or not. Heard the story a hundred times. She would still tell the story. And the reason why is because they wanted to know if you had to go through it, what to expect. They saved, if you look at their generation. They, now, we got a lot of money people saved up now this from this year. But going back to the last 30, 40 years, we don't save nearly like they did. And it's something to think about Especially if you're young to think about and consider for a moment the amount of wealth that we go through in comparison to the amount of wealth that they pass on. It's a very interesting thing to think about. That's a whole another message, but they approach things different because of what they went through. I was talking to my, my grandmother, not my great my grandmother, just this week. We were just talking about different things. And we were talking about how stories impact and how things impact each other. And then Joel, uh, Joel is telling these stories for a reason. My grandmother said, you know, I remember when the polio outbreak happened. She was there. 
I remember when measles, full-blown measles went. She said, we reacted totally different than this last year. We removed ourselves. When we were all fighting over the last year, and I'm not saying, listen, I'm not picking. I'm just saying, I, I would love to think I handled the last year well, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think I did. I just don't think I did. Looking back on it all, there are some things I wish I would have done, you know, differently. But they reacted to things different. Instead of fighting about going places and not going places, she said, we just stayed away from everybody. Because a poet, you couldn't take a chance. They just did it. It wasn't a political thing. It wasn't a science thing. It was just old school. We don't even have the, we don't have the internet or anything else to tell us anything. They just knew, yo, y'all can't come over. Yo, y'all on your own. Don't bring that over here. They just did it. And no one thought anything about it. She said, and when, and I'm not telling you to do whatever. I'm just telling you what we were talking about. When the vaccine came out, when she just got her second one, she said, we were glad. And the reason why is because we saw what polio did to our family and to our friends and measles. There was no political thing, science, and nothing. So no one fought over this stuff. And I thought about that. I thought, I wonder what we're going to tell our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids about 2020. Like, what will be the instruction that we will give them after this past year? Think about it for a moment. My grandmother told me, she went through polio, the measles, and has a totally different outlook on things than what I did. My great-grandmother, depression, totally different outlook on. She got mad at me one time, man, I was at their house. I know I'm telling you stories, just hang tight. I'll give you some word in a minute. Just lay a little foundation. I went to her house one time in LaGrange, Georgia, man. She had this plush garden. She planted tomatoes and vegetables and all this kind of stuff, right? I went out one day as a little kid. I was probably like five or six. I don't remember how old I was. I was a young guy. And went outside picking tomatoes. I thought I was helping everybody. I was picking tomatoes. Except they is all green. They weren't ripe. Brother, let me tell you something. She was a little thing. But I thought she was going to kill me because I picked her tomatoes. You know what she did? She said, you picked them, you're going to eat them. I thought, this is awful. I don't even like tomatoes. I was picking them for you. But you know what she did? Oh, man. Heated up the skillet. Yeah, you know where I'm going. Cornbread battered them bad boys. And fried green tomatoes became a staple in my palate forever. I thought... This is the best. I ate so many green. I didn't care how. I ate as many as I could eat. I think I might have even got sick on them things. They were so good. I still do they love. I don't like regular tomatoes. I hardly ever eat them. I don't like the way they eat. I don't know. Fry them, green them with some okra in it. Son. That and cold watermelon after that. It was just like the best. Why she do it? To prove to me to say, you're not going to waste stuff, son. Wasting things is not how I do things. Now, you might, but not me, because I went through a period where we didn't have green tomatoes. So you're not going to waste mine. I'm going to teach you something from it. These were experiences, but much of it was based upon stories. Now, why am I telling you all these stories? Because Joel is telling stories, and he's telling us something in his stories to do. He's saying this, and I'll turn your attention to Joel chapter 1. And I'm going 
I'm going to go through these kind of quick. So you're going to have to write this down or go catch it later, the notes. But you, Joel's not that long because you can read it. I mean, it's three chapters. You can heck catch it this week. Joel chapter 1, though, he said, first of all, here's what I want you to do. Joel chapter 1, verse 1. Watch this. He said, the Lord gave me this message to, to Joel, the son of Pethuel. He said, hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land, in all of your history, has anything like this ever happened before? And watch this. Tell your children about it in the years to come. And let your children tell their children, pass the story down from generation to generation. And then he goes through what happened. He said, after the cutting locust finished eating the crops, the swarming locust came in and took what was left of the crops. And after that came the hopping locust. So in other words, what they did was they came in and the fruit's gone. They came in and ravaged the leaves. And then it says after that, they came down to the stripping locust too. And what they did was whatever was left, there was no fruit, no leaves, no grass, nothing on the tree. It's gone. It's completely desolated. He said, listen, you be sure that you tell your children about this, their children, and they tell them. Why would he talk about that? Why is that such an important thing? I remember in school, this is what they told us in economics class, that uh, there could never be another Great Depression because we fixed it. And if you have any sense about you whatsoever, you would look at what we're doing right now and try to quantify six trillion And ask yourself, are we really that smart? I'm not getting all the ins and outs. I'm just thinking about it for a moment. How foolish for us to think that we could never go through something like that again. The thing about history is this, that we always learn about history is what? We never learn from history. People say there'd never be another Hitler. It's ridiculous. People say, oh, we'll never, never go through that again. It's ridiculous. There are people now saying, oh, no, we'll never have another pandemic again. That's ridiculous. Because I can take you to places on the planet right now where there have pandemics that have nothing to do with COVID. I mean, malaria is a pandemic in some countries. It it is foolish to think something couldn't happen again. again. So what does he say? You tell your children, why do you do this? He says, it was so bad in Joel, even verse 5. He said, even people who would run to the alcohol to relieve the stress and pain and anxiety of the time couldn't do that because there was nothing left. You couldn't even relieve yourself from the pain and anxiety with wine to make yourself cheerful. Nothing is left. You talk about marking you with a memory. That would mess with you. They lost everything. Everything. And he says, here's how I want you to do this. I want you to understand something. I want you to tell this to all generations. All generations. Don't overlook a generation. And here's why. Because you know the danger of following God is this. I tell my kids this every so often. I am not concerned about you not loving Jesus. I'm not concerned about you uh, not reading your Bible. I'm not concerned about you rebelling, going off the deep end somewhere. My concern for you is this, that you know what it is to have the good life. And you understand what the blessing of the Lord is in your home because you have an absolute fantastic mama. You got a pretty good daddy. And you have all of your needs met. You are blessed in so much so I have put back for you in ways that you have no knowledge of yet, 
and no understanding of what. You have the blessing of God. And my concern for you is this, that you do what Deuteronomy says. That when you are blessed by God, that you do not forget that it is the Lord thy God that gave you your wealth. What goes on today in Christianity, and this is what people are sensing right now. What is happening in Christianity in America is people have forgotten who it was who blessed them, who have, has given them their wealth, who blessed their nation, who blessed the hallways of our government. We have forgotten who it was that brought us to the place that we are in today. And I'm telling you, as Christians, if you're smart, you'll look at the signs around you, as Joel said. The funny thing is about signs... I don't know how much I'll get into all this stuff. I'm, I'm going to go through some stuff pretty quick. The funny thing about signs. Joel talks about blood moons and these moons turn into blood and the sun's going to disappear. And we know today we're so smart because we got NASA. We have eclipses, lunar eclipses and all that. Kind of, so we determine all that. Well, that's why it all is. Here's the funny thing about signs. Do you realize this? And I wrote this down just as an interesting little thought. That from the year 1582 until 1908, there were no what's called a tetrad, which is four blood moons within a calendar year. Zero. Do you realize that from the year 1909 to the year 2156, there will be 17 tetrads, which is four blood moons in a calendar year? Check this out. In the current century... Between 2001 and 2100, there will be eight. Not one over hundreds of years. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. And God says, and Joel says, hey, look, when these things you see, to pay attention to it, signs. But, but what if people don't even know that? They say, ah, oh, yeah, we're so smart. It's lunar eclipses. We know what we're doing today. And what do we even tell our kids? Eh, it's just an eclipse. It's science. It is science. But before it was science, it was God. And he says, when you see this, and when you see that, and when you see this, you better think about something else besides just science. So he says, you tell all the generations about this. And he says, here's what Joel also says in chapter 2 and verse 14. Or chapter, 12, chapter 2 and verse 12. He says, this is what the Lord says. Joel says, tell all the generations. And he says in verse 12 chapter 2 he says this is what the Lord says turn to me now while there's still time give me your hearts come with fasting weeping and mourning watch this he says don't tear your clothing in your grief they would do that in their culture they would tear their when something really got to them they would tear their clothing in grief they would be so frustrated and, and, and anxiety filled they'd just rip their clothes right here on the, the neck just like that as a sign of like it's a total sacrilegious thing. What just happened? They would rent their clothes like that. He said, I don't want your rent clothes. Watch what he says. I want your rent heart. I want a heart that is ripped open for God. It says, God first. Not society. We're more upset. Let me just say it. We are more upset many times by what is happening around us than we are about our relationship with God. <clears throat> there is more angst sometimes over the things that we see around us than there is about our relationship with God. And he, Joel says, listen, God wants repentance. Then he says this, 
In Joel chapter 2, verse 15. He said, blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem, announce a time of fasting, call the people together for a solemn meeting. Get all the people together. Get the elders, the children, the babies, everybody. It means if you had a wedding too late, you got to come too. You know, you get married later. He says, let the priest minister in the Lord's presence. Stand and weep in the entry room before the temple and the altar and let them pray. Spare your people, Lord. So what did Joel say? He said, listen, don't run from, but go to church. It's a funny thing that has happened this year in watching in the past year. I've thought about this so many times. Like, it's very interesting. How many Christians went from God is first and I love Jesus and everything's great to I don't have time for that anymore. I know I'm meddling. It's all right. If you watch watching online, it's going to be okay. I got a few minutes and I'll tie it all up with a nice little bow. But it's a funny thing to me to watch how it's, it's shifted. We're Christians today who tell you more about the Bible than, than the priests. Which is fine. I mean, whatever. Tell you about how this and that and this. And, and, and all of the excuses is why we can't get to church. My kids were in a basketball camp this last week and I saw right then. I don't hear another excuse about COVID. Because what I saw tells me right there. If we can put our kids in sports, then you can put them in church. Bottom line. If, if, if you can't, if we can do that right there, we can do just about anything else. There's kids everywhere. There's more kids at that camp than there was at Disney when I went. There's kids everywhere. Why am I leading up to all this? Because here's what God says. He says, man, I want you to tell all the generations to remember what took place. And then I want you to make sure that people keep a repentant heart. That they don't forget and they turn from it and get all sidetracked. No, come back to God. How do you do that? Get yourself into the place and where God is. And not just mean that he's not here when we're not here. I'm not getting into all that theology. I'm saying get to the place of worship where his name is exalted. Come to the house of God. This is my biggest thought with people right now. I have watched as a pastor. I'll tell you this. If you're in this room watching online right now, I'm not picking. I'm just telling you the truth. Hear the words of a young man. I'm not old. I'm a young man. But I've seen enough to tell you this. You are better off with weekly consistency as much as unless you are sick or out of town or on vacation. You are better off with consistent worship attendance for your family's sake. It is the one thing that you can do that will impact your children for generations. That's minimal. I have watched over the years. People get mad because we didn't do something that they wanted. We didn't let their kid do this. Or we didn't pay for their kids that. Or they got mad because the coffee was cold. Or they didn't, and they jerked their family out of church. And today, many of them, they don't even serve God. Why am I telling you that? I'm not Joel, I'm Jody. Maybe it's just a little story to share for this next part. Because if you want what everybody reads, and Joel said, well, Pastor, what about that scripture everybody talks about? I'm getting there. I know you're probably wondering about it. What about that whole Joel thing? He said, like, he's going to pour out his spirit. That's the one I really want to hear. Yeah, baby, I want that spirit. That's what I want. Well, if you want the spirit, then you got to back up and understand before you get to the spirit. This is what Joel said. You got to tell generations about what took place. You got to tell them about this, that we are in a sin-filled world and don't go down that road. If you want the spirit, you're going to have to turn to the Christ that gives you the spirit. It can't happen any other way. You don't get the spirit without repentance. 
You don't get a multitude and a pouring out without turning to God. Joel said, tell the generations around you, keep a repentant heart. And then he says, watch this, and then I will. Joel 2.28, I know you're waiting for it. Here we go. I will then, in Joel 2.28, I will pour out my spirit. Watch this. Then, I'm going to make sure we, before I go, then, after doing all these things, See, we want, the, we want the blessing, we want the spirit, we want God to move, we want God to shake stuff, we want it to move, and that's fantastic. But then when you talk about something like, hey, let's shift some of how we act. Oh, no, 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 don't you, don't you tell me how to live. Quit meddling, preacher. Don't you talk to me about my issues. Well, then, then don't talk to me about the spirit. You know, like, yeah, but well, I just want the fire of God. I just want the fire. Yeah, well, well, you know what that fire does? I'm about to set some brush on fire. I just cut around my pasture. I'm about to set this bad boy on fire. You know why? Because I got coyotes coming around. And little predators keep getting around closer because it's, the stuff is overgrown. My wife's like, you've got to burn that thing, man. Get this, these varmints out of here. Well, when I, what does a fire do? It consumes stuff. We want the fire, but we don't want to be consumed. We want fire, we want spirit, but we don't want the touching of areas of like us. No, 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 I like this over here. Let me keep doing this and being that. No, no, no. If you want the fire, you're going to have to go through the consummation process, but we don't want that. Just give me Joel. Just let him pour out the spirit. Let me have fun. Let me have a fun Christian life. And just want the spirit and feel good and feel the warm fuzzies. That's what I want. Yeah, but you don't want to change. Amen. Don't want to repent. Don't want to turn. I know y'all look at me like, it's just, yeah, it, yeah, it's all right. Don't matter to me. Like to gossip about people. Like to talk about people. Criticize my boss. Complain about my wife. Criticize. Oh, no, no, but I want the spirit. And God's saying, I'm not going to pour out anything on you because you won't turn to me. You want more of what you want in this world because it's Babylonian comfortability. I like it. It's just nice. Everything's just, I'd rather be in that than to have this. And God says, you want spirit? Here's how it works. After this, then you get that. And Joel says, he is funny, he says this. He says, I'm going to put on your sons and daughters. Now, i got just a few moments. But I'm going to hammer this home, and I'm going to wrap up. I read this, and I thought, this is crazy. First people Joel said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on is sons and daughters. And it's a cool little verse. Do you think about, where's the parents? And I thought, this is the crazy thing. This is what I've heard so many years, over so many years. Somebody comes to me and they complain about their family's not doing good. Kids gone off the rails. They won't do right and whatever else. They don't ever come to youth group. Won't bring them to church. Won't spend any time in worship. Don't do anything that's just basic. But then they say, my kid won't even go to the Bible study. I'm trying to get my kid to sing in the thing. I'm trying to get him to lead FCA or I'm trying to get him to be at the flagpole or whatever else. And I go... But you don't even go to church. You, you want, like you want, <laughs> you know, you want to pour his spirit on them. But there's no father figure or mother figure being an example of anything. Amen. How will they know? Yes. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit on sons and daughters. And it tells me that adults go first. 
This is crazy. My grandparents, now, God bless them. Listen, my grandparents did something. I didn't realize what they were doing in their little grocery store that they had. And I took my kids to it the other day. I was going by and just, you know, here's where they used to have one of their grocery stores and all kind of stuff. I even took my, one of my kids in there. She saw it. She's like, this is wild, man. I mean, they used to have, I said, yeah, back there's where he was a butcher and he did this stuff and all that kind of stuff. It was really cool. I remember going over here and this is when they wouldn't look at, man. I get into the sugar rack, you know, where they had the, like the stacking all the sugar. I get behind and make little cubby holes and man, I'd be like, man, there's the sugar. I'd be eating sugar. I think nobody knew customers didn't know. I just, man, it's kind of gross, man. That's why you don't let a five-year-old get into the, the stock. You know what I'm saying? My grandfather, he sold penny candy, like really, literally, I remember it was penny candy. My favorite was the chocolate footballs. Man, they took a loss on that inventory. I ate so many chocolate footballs. Man, it was just like, it, but while we were there, you know what they did? This old preacher come over, and you may or may not know him. Don't matter to me. His name's Max Tucker. It's a funny thing how people tell me, people either loved or hated Max Tucker. And it's a funny thing to me. I have an interesting memory about Max Tucker. Brother had about five blue school buses. And there I was a kid. He'd roll around that little school bus with people. Here come Max Tucker. Hop off the door. Whether you wanted to wake up on Sunday morning or not, it didn't matter. Knock, 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 knock. How you doing? We're here to pick up Jody. Here I go on the school bus. Penny loafers. Hated them things. Penny loafers shoes. Trying to part your hair over, you know. Hated all that mess. But it didn't matter. Max Tucker bringing you to church. Why? Because my grandfather's store was across the street from the church. They saw the importance and the need for me, especially given the circumstance of what was going on in my family and dynamic. What did they do? They enrolled me into a preschool where I have to hear about Jesus Five days a week. You think, well, what's the big deal about that? It's called somebody had enough forward thinking to say, you know what? I'm running a business. I'm doing this. I don't know what this young man's going to need, but I got to get him into something that I think would help. So what do they do? They put him into a church. An adult said, if I'm going to see a son or a daughter change, I better be the one that does something that affects their life then wait around and I, I can't stand this blame it this this kind of pushing off on young people stuff that we do sometimes oh you can do anything oh you can be anything well how'd you do it you know if you can if it's so easy why don't you do it people tell me I saw time well I tell you what the church ought to be I tell you what church I say well won't you do it if you think it's so easy why don't you go get you a storefront out there and get cranking on it big boy because I'm gonna tell you it ain't near as easy as people think it is why don't you start a business be anything why don't you do it if it's so easy, because it's easier to put it off on them, what they could be, instead of what we should be. Sons and daughters. And he goes on to this really quick. Old men will dream dreams. Now, I don't know what your demographic is when I say that, but old men are going to dream some dreams. Let me tell you what that means, though. Listen, if you feel like you're an old man, a dream is not something you see fulfilled. It is something you invest in and you hope and pray that it comes to pass later. Walt Disney never saw Disney World open. People said to him all the time, or after he died, they would say things like, oh man, I wish Walt Disney could have seen this to his brother Roy. You know what Roy said? He did see it. A dream is something you might not see come to pass here, but you invest in it 
and pray that it will come to pass in the future. Your young men will see visions. Let me tell you something. If you're young in here, let me just tell, I'm going to give you a word right now. Don't listen to people say that you can't be or do. I know I just said, a lot of times we say you can do and be anything. You can, but listen to me right now. Do not listen to people tell you things like this world is in such chaos and trouble that you can't do anything. You can't forget that mess. If God gives you a vision, you can see it through. Don't listen. Listen, if we start talking, if we get older, like all of us do sometimes, we get a little bit older, we start getting a little secure and safe and everything else. We say, well, I don't know if that's just the best thing to do. Don't listen to us. Get wisdom, get counsel. But you have a vision, let it burn. You know, let it burn within you. Let God do something in your life. And then he says something that's the most beautiful thing here. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on your sons, your daughters, your old men, your young men. And then he says, and just so we can make sure we are politically correct today, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all of my servants, men and women. God, in this month of this whole inclusivity discussion that everybody wants to have, that I think is so interesting, that everybody's in it except for a whole number of people who's not in it. If you really want to be inclusive, then God is the most inclusive person of all. God doesn't discriminate or discredit you because of how you were created. He says, if you're a man, I'm going to pour my spirit out on you. You don't need to change anything about that. You repent and come to me, I'm going to pour my spirit out on you. If you're a woman, you don't have to be anything different. You come to me and repent, I'll pour my spirit out on you. There's women all throughout the Bible that were ministers of God. Anna was a prophetess, prophesied right in the temple there area. They're everywhere in the Bible. Don't overlook them. Men and women, he said, I'll pour out my spirit on all of them. But here's what I'm going to close with right now. The interesting thing is this. Today, we want all these things and we want God to do this, but we approach it in a different way. We live in a world where we have podcasts, YouTube, you can learn anything you want to learn, which is great. I do that. But I'm going to tell you something you can't YouTube. You can't YouTube a spiritual impartation. You can't podcast an anointing. So what do you mean, Pastor? Closing out with this verse right here. 1 Corinthians 4.15 says, For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ... You only have one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you, Paul said, to imitate me. That's why I've sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Jesus just as I teach in all the churches I go to. Paul said, look, if you, have, if you help someone become saved, if you reach someone for Christ, guess what they become to you? A spiritual son or daughter. The responsibility now falls on us to impart to them spiritual truths. It's a fathering thing. I don't know about you, but I'm a daddy. I can't give my kids a 30-minute podcast on how to live their life. It's an imitation process. And what's funny is all the stuff I teach them and tell them, and I think, man, I don't know where they get me. I don't know. I pray. But then I see little things that they do, and I go, You were listening. 
my baby girl, my oldest the other day, and we'll brag a little bit, my oldest one, they were out here at and all stuff. They were cleaning stuff and doing all stuff. She was out washing windows. Just washing out, I mean, the windows and the kids, it just, they've been sitting for a year. We just, you know, dust is everywhere. They're washing windows outside. They washed, her and her friends, they washed so many windows. And you know how sometimes when you wash them, they're really dirty. You, you clean them, but then it looks like they ain't been cleaned. Streaks are on them. They clean them again. I mean, they wash these windows two and three times a piece, okay? So my daughter says to me, I'm walking through, and I'm looking at windows. because they. And she's, she comes to me, Dad, Dad, before you say anything, we're not done. Like, I know there's streaks on the windows, and I told my friend, my dad's not going to, this is not going to be good enough. we got to get all the streaks off the windows. And I thought. I, if it wouldn't have embarrassed her, I would have hugged her right there in front of our little friends and just squeezed her like, yes. Now you might say, what does that have to do with anything? That means she's catching more from me by being around me than all the instruction that I'm giving her. You can't podcast that kind of relationship. It's, it's like this. It's one-to-one. It's sitting at the table with somebody. It's having a meal with somebody. It's a spiritual impartation. So before we go today, I want to ask you this question as I pray for you. In this process that I talked about, where are you in this process? Are you a son or a daughter, an old man, a young man, man, woman? Where are you at? And God's pouring out his spirit. I want to pray for you right now, and I want you to just search the Lord right now and ask him to speak to your heart right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today. Lord, and we yield to you our hearts. We yield to you our, our lives. Father, we thank you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. And Lord, I pray for people <clears throat> that are in here right now that are listening to my voice. They're listening to the words we're talking about and saying. I pray for sons and daughters that are in here. And Lord, if they don't have a daddy or a mom to impart to them spiritual truths, I pray that in this church there will be spiritual mothers and fathers that will do so. Just like in our kids' ministry right now, that are people volunteering and pouring into and teaching and affirming the words that are being taught at home. They're teaching the same things here at their church. I pray in Jesus' name for spiritual fathers and mothers to impart to people here that are young believers in Christ. I pray for a spiritual and a father, a spiritual father and mother for people in here that maybe they need one, don't realize they need one. But for that relationship to be steady and to be strong. <clears throat> I pray for those that maybe are here today, they're young men, that God's putting vision in their heart. I pray that they will not let that go. I pray for old men in here. Lord, those that maybe, I don't know what, what age that is in the Bible. Who knows? I don't, I don't know. It, but if they feel like that's them, I pray in Jesus' name that you give them a dream that's bigger than them, that they can't accomplish on their own in their lifetime, but it's something greater than themselves that they'd have to put into to see it come to pass through other people. And I pray for every man and every woman in this room, God, that they would be open to your Holy Spirit. They would turn to you in such a way, if they're watching online right now, they would turn to you in such a way they yield their lives to you and receive of your Holy Spirit. And I pray most of all today, Lord, if there's anybody here or watching online that doesn't know you, I pray that they would turn to Christ in Jesus' name today. As we pray, I want to pray for you. If you're at home watching online, listening in your car, you're in this room, you don't know Jesus, but you need to. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to repeat this with this whole church right now. Say, Dear Jesus... I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I repent and I turn to you in Jesus' name. 
I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.